Chronicles chapter 20, you all there? Okay, go ahead and stand as we read the word of God together. Second Chronicles chapter 20, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 13 uh, this morning, really the whole chapter, but I'm not going to read the whole chapter to start with, but verse, verse 1, it says, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites and with them some of the Meunites came against Jehoshaphat. For battle, Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in, I can't pronounce that name, I'm thankful there's parentheses that says En Gedi, en -Gedi I can't pronounce that. Uh, then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the middle of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that no one is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear, and you will save and now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do but our eyes are on you. Lord, as we dive into your word, Lord, we pray that you would speak. May this message be your message. May these words be your words. God, we're here to meet with you. Lord, thank you for your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I don't wanna to get too political, but a few people thought it a good, a good idea to keep Newsom in office. Um, and I'm not gonna go down a whole road like that, but listen, uh, do I agree with it being a poor choice of, of a governor? Yeah, I do. Uh, however, this is not a time to sulk in who our governor is right now. 
Uh, we have to remember who our God is and how our God is on the throne. No matter what president there is or what governor there is in the office, our God is on the throne. Amen? Ultimately, God is in control, not, not man. Uh, you see what happens when man tries to gain control. Uh, it's, it's this fancy word. It's called mess, right? Uh, that's all that happens when men try to control what God has given no, them no business to control in the first place. But listen, if you're a Christian today, it's time for us to strengthen ourselves in the Lord and each other. It's a time to show up to church and be renewed in our faith every Sunday and even during the week. It's not a time to to sulk in, in how we wish there was a different governor or how we wish the state were different in this way or that way. But listen, it's it's time to seek the Lord, just like Jehoshaphat did here. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. The best place you can put your gaze this morning is on Christ. Not on Newsom, but on Jesus. Amen? So 2 Chronicles 20, it's kind of a weird place for us to, to land. It's right in the middle of the end of really the both books of Chronicles. But uh, there's a lot of this going on today. A lot of people are clueless as what to do with their own personal life, with, with the way their state is run, with the pandemic, with COVID, with masks, with vaccines, with all that stuff. I, I've heard countless number of people saying, I don't know what to do. And maybe you fall in that category this morning. And it may not be with any of those things that I just addressed, but it may be something personal. And you just don't know what to do. Uh, this morning, my, my aim is to encourage you, to help you know what to do. And it's not these deep theological points, and it's, not the, it's very simple. Some of the things you've probably heard before. But we need reminders because oftentimes we forget We forget what to do in the midst of us knowing not what to do. I remember in high school, uh, I was on the basketball team. Uh, I didn't say if I was on the bench or if I was a starter, so I'm going to leave that alone. Um, But we were up against a tough team. I remember it was a summer league game, and uh, it was second quarter. It was almost halftime, and the shortest guy on the opposing team stole the ball from one of our teammates, and, and I was the closest guy to him, and, and I was much taller, and, and, and I was kind of clueless as to what to do. I remember what my, looking back, I remember what my coach had told me, but in the moment, I just went up, and instead of closing out, any, anybody know basketball lingo? Closing out? Okay, one person does. Anyways, I won't demonstrate, but closing out means you, you got to get in a certain stance. You got to get in a posture. I didn't do that, and, and this little guy on the opposite team had the ball, and he like this and I was standing straight up I was not ready for this and he took his elbow and went boom right in my nose and I remember the blood just started dripping out but as I look back now I remember what to do in a situation like that in the moment I didn't know I, 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 was, I was in a rush, I, I, I saw the ball, all I wanted was to get the ball, and I didn't remember the fundamentals of what uh, I, I learned of basketball. And I wonder, how many of us are in that situation this morning? Um, you've had something happen in your life, and you are clueless as how to handle it, how, how to move forward with it. See, instead of getting in a prayer position like God calls us to, instead of getting in a trust position like God calls us to, instead of getting in the word position, if you will, sometimes we often come in our own knowledge and our own strength, thinking that, I got this, I know better than God, 
No. Every time we handle a situation like that, the enemy will take his elbows and get us. And so we have to be in a position where it says, okay, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I'm seeking you in this situation that I'm in this morning. See, when we operate in our own strength, we soon begin to find out that our own strength isn't enough. Uh, Even the strongest person in here, uh, it's not enough. But the Lord's strength is. So we lean into him. We rely on him. We trust him. We seek him for everything that we need in the seasons where we just don't know what to do, which basically encompasses all of life. Life is messy. We, we, we fumble a lot. We trip. We fall. And sometimes it's, it's hard to figure out, well, how do we get back up? So where are we going with this this morning? I want to answer the question, what to do when you don't know what to do? I think it's probably one of my longest titles for a message. But, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask them, what do I do? Go ahead. Engage. Okay, now turn to the other person that you ignored, okay, and ask them, do you know what to do? Okay, good. Did, did they give you the answer? No, nobody, nobody did. But God's word has the answer. So we're going to ask God this question this morning. Through the book of Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do in this situation? And we're going to be looking at the reign of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. Don't you just love that name? Uh, I don't know if it was a size thing or what, because his last name ends with you know, fat, but anyways, yeah. Uh, but anyways, who is this guy, and why should I care about Jehoshaphat? Second uh, Chronicles 17, we discover that Jehoshaphat is the son of Esau. Esau, it is said of, uh, was a good king. He was a righteous king. He was a godly king. In Second Chronicles 14, 2, it says, And Esau did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Esau ultimately set an example for his son. Uh, if you have kids, you know how often your little kids or your grandchildren are looking up to you. Uh, and Esau set this example for his son to look to. Esau served the Lord. He did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. And Esau would reign for 41 years, ultimately after that, leaving his reign to Jehoshaphat. His dad and son, they both reigned over Judah. Jehoshaphat was 35 when he died, but he reigned for 25 years. So when did he start his reign? Yeah, crazy, right? God can use even the youngest of ones to, to lead. So what set him apart? Jehoshaphat, it's said uh, that the Lord was with him. Uh, if you know the Lord this morning, you are set apart. It's this fancy word that we learned this week, sanctified. You are set apart for his purposes, for his glory. But Jehoshaphat was uh, the Lord was with him, Second Chronicles 17, 3 through 4. It says, The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the early ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the practices of Israel. Here's the problem with most of our leaders in our political world today. They are following the ways of other gods. They are following the ways of Baal. They are not following the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of us are asking, why doesn't Newsom make any sense? Well, here's why he's not following Jesus. 
Listen, he is doing these things because of selfish gain. Ultimately, we see that tyrants ruled by injustice, harshness, and unrighteous gain. Our governor doesn't walk with the Lord. And the reason why, for some of us, it doesn't make sense as to why he's choosing to do what he's doing is because of that. He doesn't know Christ. He's operating on the standards of this world. And the way this world operates is very wicked, very dark. But Jehoshaphat here walked and ruled in the ways of the Lord. Uh, Not only that, he lived to please the Lord. What happens when we do? Proverbs 16, 7 says, when a man's ways please the Lord, check this out, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. It's crazy because in 2 Chronicles 17, uh, we, we see these Philistines bringing goats and rams, not just the Philistines, but the Arabians. They were bringing things to Judah and Jehoshaphat. And later on throughout 2 Chronicles, we see the Philistines and the Arabians being enemies of Judah. So what happened there? Well, Judah got a different king, a king that wasn't following the Lord. And all these enemies came against them. But it's said in 2 Chronicles 17, 11 of Judah's reign, or Jehoshaphat's reign, it says some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver for tribute. And the Arabians also brought him 7,700 rams and 7,700 goats. Right, So we see later on that the Philistines and the Arabians would be enemies of Judah. But nevertheless, Jehoshaphat was a God-fearing king. Was he a perfect one? No. He made his mistakes. But was he one that sought the Lord in all that he did? For the most part, yes. He lived to please the Lord And may this be an encouragement for us this morning, uh, for us to live to please the Lord, not man, but the Lord. See, don't, don't live to please a pastor. Don't live to please an elder. Don't live to please a worship leader. Don't even live to please your spouse. Live to please the Lord. Make that your aim in life. Devote your life to him and watch him use you in mighty ways, just like he did with Jehoshaphat. And then we see in 2 Chronicles 18, uh, Jehoshaphat doesn't make the best decision. He allies with the king of Israel, Ahab. And if Ahab uh, sounds familiar, uh, do you remember Jezebel? If you've read any amount of the story of Elijah, you see that Jezebel was out for Elijah because Elijah was a prophet of the word of God, the truth of God. And Ahab already in his own was a wicked king, but then you have Jezebel, his wife, who is even more wicked. And so Ahab gets this idea. He, he, he wants to, to go and settle things in Syria because he had, to dispute, he had to dispute with them. And so a common practice in that day was a marriage alliance, and I'm not gonna get into that at the moment, but this was unwise for Jehoshaphat. He yoked himself to an ungodly ally. He yoked himself to a man who had no care for the things of the Lord. A wiser strategy for the protection of the kingdom would have just been simple obedience to the Lord on Jehoshaphat's part, but he chose to partner with a wicked king. A commentator says this of Ahab. He says, Ahab was a weak man the tool of a crafty, unscrupulous, and cruel woman. 
Yeah. And some of the worst crimes, he says, that have ever been committed have been wrought by weak men at the instigation of worse but strong spirits of themselves. Selfish gain. Ahab was in it for himself. He didn't care about anybody else, just how he could get to the top, and he would go to whatever lengths just to get there. Ahab was a wicked and ungodly king. And here we see Jehoshaphat partnering with this king, Ahab. But before that, Ahab has got to sweet talk a little bit, right? Uh, The enemy will do that so many different times to us. He'll try to sweet talk his way into us, giving into whatever temptation or whatever disobedience it might be. And so Ahab calls upon Jehoshaphat and Judah, and he says, listen, we want to go to Ramoth Gilead where the Syrians are. Why? Because, like I said, he had a dispute. They had a dispute against the Syrians. And for Ahab, it needed to be settled. And so he tries to persuade others to go with him. And King Jehoshaphat would be one of the first ones that he would try to persuade. But Jehoshaphat, you try saying that name throughout a sermon. (laughs) He urges the king to pray first. He says, listen, before we get into this, why don't we pray? Why don't we even see that... Is God really saying go? Are you going to win the battle? And Ahab consents to it. In 2 Chronicles 18, 4 through 8, he says, And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first for the Lord, uh, for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And all these 400 prophets said, Go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. That's great news for Ahab, but Jehoshaphat goes, isn't there any other prophets? There's no way 400 prophets can agree that you're going to win this battle. And he says, yeah, there's one, but I hate this guy. He literally says that. He, he says, yeah, his name is Micaiah. He says, this is what God's word says. Ahab says in 2 Chronicles 18:7, I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. It wasn't evil. He, he was prophesying the word of God unto Ahab. He was saying, don't go. Ahab wanted to do things his own way. See, Micaiah comes on the scene, prophesies that Ahab would die in battle. Ahab has a fit over this and does not like it at all. And he says, all right, dude, you're going in the prison. Give him the smallest portion of bread, smallest portion of water. And so they go out into the battle. And guess what Ahab does? He thinks that disguising himself will help. He says, he probably has this mindset, man, if I just put on this, this, you know, wig, this, you know, hat, the Lord will never find me. He goes through battle, and at first, King Jehoshaphat is fired at. King Jehoshaphat is darting. He's he's running for his life, but it says in the Bible, God spares him. Then at random... As they're leaving for battle, at random, a man takes a bow out and fires it. And guess who it hits? Ahab. Second Chronicles 18.34. And the battle continued that day. And the king of Israel was propped up in his chariot, facing the Syrians until evening. Then at sunset, guess what happened to King Ahab? He died. Ahab could not hide from God's will. He wasn't supposed to go, but in disobedience he went. And then in 2 Chronicles 19, 
Chapter 19, we see that King Jehoshaphat returns safely from battle, and then he's met by this prophet, Jehu. Jehu is a prophet of the Lord, and he's not happy with the decision that Jehoshaphat made. However, he encourages Jehoshaphat. He says, you took down the idols, and you're still seeking the Lord. I will give you that. He says, but don't ever do that last thing you, you did again. In addition to that, in, in 2 Chronicles 19, King Jehoshaphat makes some big changes judicially. Which brings us to 2 Chronicles 20, where we'll spend the rest of our time. But in verse one through four, we read that word had gotten out that Jehoshaphat and Judah were being attacked. Three different groups of people were coming against Judah and Jehoshaphat. But did you notice that they had just gotten out of battle? They, they had just gotten out of one, they come home and they think they're settled in and then all of a sudden they get word that battle's coming again. Do you ever feel like your life is like that sometimes? Do you ever feel like you go through one thing and you think the coast is clear maybe for a little bit and then all of a sudden another battle comes up? You're like, man, I just got done with one. Why am I going through this again? I think so many times we find ourselves in one battle after another battle after another battle and it leaves our souls weary and tired and exhausted, and it leaves us with our hands up saying, God, I don't know what to do. But can I tell you, that is the best place to be in when you don't know what to do? Try, other than trying to figure it out on yourself, listen, rely on the strength and wisdom of the Lord. So word comes to Jehoshaphat, Basically, a lot of people are coming against you, and I love the honesty and transparency of this king. It says he was afraid. The NLT says that he was terrified by this news. Point number one, realize that it's okay not to be okay. You've probably heard this before, but it's true. Listen, Jehoshaphat was a king. He was following the Lord. He, he had victories. He, he ruled in place of his father who also had victories. But, but there came this point, even for the strongest of men of God, that he was afraid. He was terrified. King Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat was not okay with this news. The NLT says Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. The, most, the news most likely made his stomach Turn in knots. I wonder, have you ever received news like that? Have you ever received news and it just made your stomach turn? And, and, and you, all you can do is just fall to your knees. And you might be speechless in the moment. Or you might come to, to, to praying. You might say, God, I'm here right now. I don't have a lot of strength. I'm weak, I just received this news, I need help. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat did. But listen, uh, use this as an encouragement this morning. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you got all your stuff together. You and I are broken people in need of a gracious God. See, the things that happen in our lives that make our stomach turn, I, th I think sometimes, if we're honest, we ignore those things. Like, ah, oh, it's just a feeling, right? But Jehoshaphat was afraid. He wasn't okay. 
But what did his fear lead him to do? Starts with a P, ends with Ray. Thank you, okay. Wake up, people, let's go, come on. That was a big giveaway, guys, come on. See, there's a lot of people who who might say, well, you're a Christian, and when this, that, or the other happens to you, you're not supposed to be afraid of that. You're you're not supposed to have a a turned stomach over this. You're a Christian. You're not supposed to, you're supposed to be okay all the time. Uh, No, sorry. I'm human. You may be a Christian this morning. You may be a believer in Jesus this morning. But listen, you and I still have a, a little tiny issue, and it's called humanity. Right? It's okay to not be okay, but don't just stay there. Tell the Lord, listen, God, I'm dealing with this. I'm struggling with this. I'm not okay. I need your grace right now, God. I need your strength right now. So point number two, uh, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Seek the Lord for guidance. King Jehoshaphat at this point could have taken things and matters into his own hands. He could have acted in the flesh. He could have given no thought to how the Lord would want him to proceed with this. But guess what he does? He seeks the Lord. He asks the Lord, what, what, what do I do? And oftentimes, I think, when we get into situations like that, there, there, there's two sides to this. Number one, we think that we should pray immediately, even if we don't have words. Right? I, I think sometimes we think that because we're in this hard, stomach-turning situation that, that we should just pray and we should have these eloquent words. Listen, the, the, the most powerful, powerful prayer that you could pray is just a groan. The Spirit gets you. The Holy Spirit understands what you're going through. You're still seeking the Lord, and sometimes all you can come up with is, ugh. Right? You've been there. But then there are times where, where you don't know what to pray, You want to pray, but you just don't, and that's when you should turn to the Word of God. Here's some things that you can pray in in these seasons when you don't know what what to do. Psalm 86, verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Say, God, teach me your way. The way I'm in right now is a little fuzzy. I'm not sure what to do, but I want to know your way. Teach me your way. Proverbs 19, verse 21, it says, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Amen? You you can pray, God, show me your purpose. I cannot tell you how many times my my plans have changed. Anybody else have changed plans? You you plan something and you want it to go this way and, and it doesn't happen. There's a purpose for that. And, and I pray that it's God's purpose. And, and not you trying to come up with some imaginary purpose. I can tell you, though, how many times God's purposes stayed the same. 100% of the time. God always gets his way. God always fulfills his purpose in us one way or another. See, you and I change our minds and our plans a lot, and it's important to pray, God, okay, if my plans are not in line with your purpose, God, you can change it. Change my plans, interrupt my plans, disrupt my plans. If I'm not in line with you this morning, God, you have full reign to change my plans. And some of us need our plans changed like right now. 
Some of you are thinking about going to the habit after lunch or after church when you should really be going to In-N-Out, okay? <laughs> God's purpose is for you to go to In-N-Out after lunch and take my family, just kidding, no. Um, <laughs> but Jehoshaphat's prayer, I wanna I want read it in, in chapter 20, verses five through 12. It says, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that no one is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They've lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, a sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house. And cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Do you realize Jehoshaphat prayed this with confidence because he knew who he was talking to? Do you realize that when you're praying, do you realize who you're talking to? The creator of heaven, the one who made you, the one who can, can, can wipe this world out like that. The, the ruler of all nations, the ruler of all kingdoms. You are talking to a king. Do you realize that this morning? Prayer is not just this fluffy thing that you do as a Christian. You are talking to the creator of the universe. I must be the only one excited about that. Get, get a grip on this, people. I know we're taught to pray. I know we're taught to come before the Lord. But listen, remember who you're going before. God Almighty, who has power beyond any king in this universe. See, he goes on to say here, he says, and now behold the men of Ammon. So here's the problem. And Jehoshaphat is relaying the issue to God. He's saying, listen, these guys are coming against us. He says, at one point you wouldn't allow them to invade, but now they're coming. And so he sees this great horde, and, and I would imagine Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat is kneeling. He, he's in a posture of desperation. His, his, his knees were knocking, and it was a call to prayer. He said, okay, God, I see this great horde against me. I see this vast army against me, and he's looking out at them. And he says this, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I'm seeking you, Lord. Point number four, change where you're looking. Change where you're looking this morning. If you're faced with some situation, where's your focus on this morning? Is it on the circumstance or is it on the Lord? I, I can tell you this, if you have big problems, you have a small God. But if you have small problems, you have a big God. Realize how big our God is and put your eyes on him. So Jehoshaphat was standing before a group of people who were depending on him and he openly confessed this and I think this is one of the greatest things that our politicians could do. He openly confessed, I don't know what to do. Instead of trying to take matters into his own hands, he said, I don't know what to do. But the best thing I could do is to put my gaze upon the Lord. See, they had a huge issue at hand. There were three different groups of people coming against them, 
And they could choose to keep their eyes on the problem or they could put their eyes upon the Lord. They had a choice and we have a choice this morning. Where are you going to set your gaze on? Where are you going to look? If you're looking at your problems right now, if, if, if your problems are eclipsing your view of God, you need to change your view. Spurgeon said this about this text in specific. He says, they said, our eyes are upon thee. What did they mean by that? They meant, Lord, if help does not come, or if help does come, it must come from thee. We are looking to thee for it. It cannot come from anywhere else, so we look to thee. But we believe it will come. Men will not look for that which they know will not come. We feel sure it will come, but we don't know how. So we are looking. We don't know when, but we are looking. We don't know what thou wouldest have us to do, but as the servant looks to her mistress, so we are looking to thee, Lord. Lord, we are looking to thee. Who are you looking at this morning? Our eyes need to be upon Christ. See, when you and I don't know what to do, we need to stop staring at the problem and we need to start staring at the Lord. We need to start putting our eyes upon him. And when we set our eyes upon him, we find that he has the answers. He has the strength we need. He has the wisdom we need. He has the power we need. He has everything that we need for what we're coming up against. Number five, remember this. It's God's battle. It's God's battle. Verses 13 through 16, it says this. It says, meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Did you catch that? Everybody. Kids, wives, adults, everybody. They all stood before the Lord. And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of, these names, man. Some of, okay, that guy, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours but God's, Amen. Don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. The spirit of the Lord rushed upon this prophet with a message and it was this. This is not your battle to fight. And I wonder how many of us are hearing that same thing this morning. This is not your battle to fight. Let it go and let the Lord fight it for you. Listen, let me remind you something in the spirit of Jehaziel, if you will. If God is for you, who can be against you? Really, if the creator of the universe, the one who made you, the one who loves you, the one who sent his son to die on the cross for you, if that God is for you, who can be against you? Answer, no one. See, if you've given your life to Christ, the battles you face in life, yes, they are a very real threat, but guess who is in charge of the battles of your life? God is. Not you, not me, not the elders, not your, the strongest Christian in your life. The Lord is in charge. But we are supposed to act in some way. 
We're coming to a close. That is not a cue for you to pack up your Bibles and zip up your zippers and stuff, so hang tight just a minute. When, when a, like most of you know, when a pastor says, we're coming to a close, it usually means 30 more minutes, so. <laughs> no. Uh, in verse 17, this is the way they were supposed to act. Jehaziel says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Let's be honest for a second. This is the most ridiculous military strategy there is out there. Stand still. Like, do you see these three different people? Come, like, you just want us to stand here? Like, I just saw what happened uh, when it came to Ahab, uh, he tried to disguise himself and he still got shot. But you just, are you sure? Are you sure you didn't hear the word of the Lord correctly? You just want us to stand here. Yep. That's all I want you to do. Now, uh, who would give that kind of direction? God, right? Because whose battle is it? God's. I would rather hold my position than try to fight. If, if, if it's the Lord's battle, he's in control. I'll be okay with standing there. It may look a little scary. It may look a little fierce, but listen, God is in control. It's God's battle. He's the one fighting for us. I, I love what happens in, in the rest of this text. There's complete and utter chaos, confusion on these other ends. You ready for this? It says, then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Proper response for whenever you're fighting your battle, fighting a battle that the Lord's already in front of. It says in the Levites of the, there's those names again, stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel with a very loud voice. Do you hear the word worship in that? That's exactly what they did. They were worshiping the Lord. And it goes on to say, and they rose early in the morning, went out into the wilderness of that one. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. That's a good word for us today. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. It says, and when they began to sing and praise the, the Lord, did you catch that? Who, who, who did this? The Lord sent an set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, so they were routed in a different direction. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. God had them turn on each other. And it all started with worship. It all started with these people putting, in their, putting themselves in the proper position was, God, we're here to worship you. No matter how fierce the battle is, and that's why we come here this morning. We come because we're all going through a, a battle. But listen, when you, you and I worship together, it sends the enemy into confusion, just like it did with these people. It goes on to say, for the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction, and when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. 
How's that for a happy ending? Jehoshaphat and Judah are still alive, right? Why? Because they let God fight the battle. Only God could do that. There's no way you and I are that creative or that smart. Only God could do that. But listen, it takes faith to believe that God will. It takes faith to believe that God will fight your battle. So my question for you this morning is, do you have faith in the God who is able and willing to fight your battles? Maybe you've been trying to fight a battle by yourself for far too long, and maybe this day God is saying, give up and let me take control. Maybe he's saying, you need to surrender today and stop trying to figure out your life on your own. It's never gonna work. Trust me. Maybe what the Lord is, is saying, you, saying to you this morning. So let's land this message. Number one, it's okay to not be okay. All right, number two, seek the Lord for guidance. Number three, God is in control. Number four, change where you're looking. And number five, it's whose battle? I'm gonna have our team come back up. But I wanna close with this song. I'm, I'm not gonna sing it. They're not gonna sing it. I'm definitely not gonna sing it. They would do a much better job at it than I would. Uh, but it goes like this. It goes, we have a sure defender, a strong and mighty captain leading us in battle. His name is Lord of all. Celebrate his conquering, raise his banner, lift him high, lift him high. Not with a sword to destroy, not with a shield to defend, not with a spear to kill, but in the name of the Lord, the battle is the Lord's. His name is our salvation. A strong and mighty tower, we will exalt him. The son of righteousness, worthy of glory, sing his praises, lift him high, lift him high. Amen? Let's all stand close out in prayer and close out with really a fight song, amen? Uh, we, we need this last chorus just to send us out with proper perspective, but maybe you're here this morning and, and you, haven't, you haven't started a, a personal relationship with Christ. Uh, maybe you've heard the gospel before, maybe you've heard that Jesus died for your sins, but you haven't, you haven't come to him. Or, or maybe you've walked away and you need to come back to the Lord, Today's that day. Jesus died for you, friend. He died for you. He stood in your place, hung on your cross with all of the world's sin on his back. Put him in a tomb. If you know the rest of the story, he got up again. And listen, if you need to surrender your life over to Christ, this, today is the day to do that. The Bible says when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And if you're hearing God's voice this morning through his word, today is the day to give your life to Christ. Today is the day. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. And if you need to make that decision, um, I'll be up here at the front. Cliff will be up here at the front. And we'd love to pray with you. And even if it's not that, you just need, you need prayer. We'd love to pray for you as well. But let's pray and we'll close out with this, this chorus. Lord, thank you so much. God, that every single battle we may face in our life, it's not our battle, it's your battle. You fight for us, God. So Lord, I pray that you would remind everybody in here this morning and those watching online of these truths that are found in the life of Jehoshaphat. God, we thank you for your great love for us. 
Lord, and I pray, God, that if anybody is sensing the Spirit tugging on their heart to accept you as Savior or to come back to you, I pray that they would do it today. Jesus, we thank you for the greatest sacrifice, what you did for us. We thank you. It's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen. Hello all, and thank you for checking out this episode of the Gray Avenue Christian Church Podcast. For any more information about who we are, uh, feel free to check out our Facebook and our website. Again, thank you for your support, and uh, we will catch you next time. Have a blessed week.